guys. Welcome to the Talk of Fame podcast. I'm your host, Kylie Montigny. Joining us today is Swish Goswami. Swish is a Canadian interpreter, author, speaker, inventor, and content creator. He's a CEO of Surf, a white label loyalty and rewards platform that helps enterprises capture consumer data and technically reward consumer sustainability and monetize their audience effectively. Surf has worked with several blue chip companies, including Netflix, Amazon, Prime Gaming, L'Oreal, United Talent Agency, and EA. Surf has made two acquaintances and raised over $8 million today from several NBA players, creators, and venue firms. Surf has been featured in several publications, including the BBC, Tough Crunch, WSJ, and etc. Swish is also the co-founder and co-host of the Track Limits podcast, which I'm super excited to talk with them about in later this episode. But this podcast is focused on telling the deaf stories of various personalities in Formula One, from mechanics and drivers to team bosses and content creators. Swish has released a book, The Young Interpreter, under the Kogan page in French and several languages. He is a brand ambassador for K-Swiss for the last few years and is a board chair for the League of Innovers. Through his angel fund, AGEX Capital, Swish is an advisor and investor in popular organizations like FaZe Clan, Othership, Wombo, Upstream. Swish has been also recognized as a LinkedIn top voice with over 200, 200 million content views and was also the co-founder of LinkedIn Local. I know that was a very long intro and I apologize for that, but I really Thank you for joining us today, and thank you, thank you for also for all the work you're doing. Your work, from what I see, is really amazing. I'm looking forward to talking with you about it. Same here. Thanks so much for the kind intro, and yeah, appreciate you having me, Kylie. This is going to be super fun. For sure. So to start off, you were CEO of Surf, which is a white label loyalty and rewards program platform that helps enterprises capture data ethically rewards consumers sustainability and moisturize their audiences effectively like why did you kind of start surf yeah it's a good question we started surf about five and a half years ago i think the initial goal was to build a platform that would analyze a brand's social media following and tell them who their most engaged or influential followers were we adapted our strategy though in about 2019 because we started to realize in 2019 2020 that the world was becoming more privacy conscious and in this privacy conscious world, companies were not going to be able to rely solely on social media data to activate their following. What they really needed to do was try to get emails, try to get phone numbers, try to find other ways to activate their audiences that didn't make them dependent on third party channels like Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. So we decided to become really the company that would help these big companies go ahead, collect compliant consumer data, and then use that for retargeting later on. Uh, the two products that we built, obviously, one's the giveaways platform so consumers can come on if they want the chance to win a much bigger prize. They can put their email and phone number in for the chance to win some really cool prizes. And obviously, they're consenting to sharing their email and phone number with specific brands that they're excited to hear from in the future. The second product we built is an extension. The extension compensates people for their data with points. You share your browsing data passively and anonymously. So you don't actually share your first and last name. You mm -hmm. just share your data, your high level demographic information, like your gender, age, or location. And then brands are able to understand at a high level 
what people or audiences are doing on the internet. So what are, you know, the 18 to 24 year old males in New York visiting every single month at a high level? What sort of shopping sites do they go to, publications they're reading, et cetera? Ooh, that's actually very smart. I like once I came across this when I was researching your work, I was like, I've never seen this before. Because it's something like I'm not a data person. Like I was, I know nothing. And once I saw this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a genius thing. And I was curious, like, how do you go to these big companies and agencies like United Talent Agency, basketball players, and then everything? about these things because I know there's not a lot like this before no for sure I mean a I think there's a lot of networking involved and that's where you know using the power platforms like LinkedIn you meet people that know people that know people you know you kind of get a bit lucky in that way I think a lot of the investors that we brought on like you know Kyle Kuzma or you know Delon Wright or Jakob Pertl uh, looking at even like some of the celebrities or, or you know, bigger EVCs that we brought on. A lot of that has come from intros from our existing community. So people that we've met at events, people that we've connected with online that somehow knew an individual, uh, whether it's a manager or whether it's the athlete, celebrity, VC itself. Um, I also think for customers, we've actually done a great job of looking at if we have some logos, how do we get more through building a really good connection with our existing customers? So every quarter we have a customer advisory meeting where we bring four or five of our biggest customers into a Zoom call. We give them the product roadmap. We hear from them directly what feedback they have for us and try to incorporate that into our roadmap. And then we obviously ask them, who else should we be working with? And in the world of marketing and data, a lot of people know, you know, their counterparts in other companies. Mm-hmm. And if they have really, really good experiences with your product, they're really, really incentivized to go and tell their friends about it as well, because obviously they want to make sure that they're also helping their friends out in case they ever need a job or in case they ever need a partner with another company in the future. Yeah, that is really awesome. Because I know what you said, like when people test out different companies or products or anything, whether they like it or not, they always recommend it to the people they know, whether it's connections, family, friends, et cetera. They always recommend different things. Let's just say your company, for example, they recommend what your services are and what you have to offer. And you recommend it to your friends because, of course, it might align with their interests and what they might kind of yep. want to do in the future. And, of course, well, you guys working with a bunch of people and companies and everything, like it's always about who you work with and also what you have to offer in each thing whatever it's like a product um events you know mm-hmm. whatever it is it's always a matter of okay will my connection enjoy this or my friends enjoy this it's all about okay like how am I supposed to work this out yep exactly and it's it's also worth noting that you know building a business regardless of what it is you're doing right whether it's you're building a podcast in a media company or whether it's you're building a tech company within data and privacy uh, it really does take a village to build a company so you can really do so much your co-founder your business partner if you have one can only do so much you need advocates whether that is bringing really smart people to come and work within your existing team or it's building advocates with your investors, advisors, or customers, right? The more that you can start to make a customer feel like, not only am I buying a product from them, but I am rooting for them. I am supporting them. I'm telling people about them every single week. You know, the better off you're going to be in terms of being able to get more companies, more brands, more investors to come to the table.
Mm -hmm, that's so well said. And of course, with the reward enterprises with Surf, like how does like Surf reward enterprises capture consumer data? Yeah, great question. So initially, when we had no users for the extension, we obviously had to pay out of pocket. So as a company, we raised money and we decided, you know, we're going to try to get to 50,000 users on the extension and we're going to reward people out of pocket. So if you go and you redeem a $10 Amazon gift card, that's coming from our bank account directly. When we got to that scale of 50,000 users, we then started to go to brands, e-commerce brands like the Uniqlo's and the Sephora's and the Ulta Beauties and, and these bigger companies in various categories like fashion, cosmetics, accessories, electronics, etc. And we got discount codes from them. So we got exclusive discount codes that you cannot find on their website or you can't find on Honey, but these are dollars off or percentage off next purchase codes. So we were able to, for example, get Reebok on board and they provided a $20 off next purchase code. So now when you get enough points, you can go and redeem a $20 off next purchase code for Reebok, use it, and that's incredible because, you know, what previously might have costed 60 bucks for you on checkout will now cost $40. The benefit of this model as well is as we started bringing on more and more e-commerce brands, and I think currently we have over 100 e-commerce brands now in our marketplace, we decided to not have to pay as much out in you know terms of spending on users. So the great part of our marketplace now is we spend zero dollars when a user clicks redeem with their points because all of our rewards are entirely subsidized. All of them are fully covered by the e-commerce brands that we brought on as reward partners. No way. Like that is mm -hmm. um like it is honestly the perfect way to actually like save money. It's not a lot of organizations who like to partner with people to really just have a save money whether it's like a deal promo code or whatever like how do you kind of work with these organizations or companies or whatever to kind of work with them and kind of get like a lower price in different deals yeah i think the main thing we do is try to show them the traction you know when we launched surf especially the extension in the first three months we were growing almost nine percent week over week you know, we were growing so quickly. So showing people, hey, we're growing really fast. Show them the audience breakdown, who's downloading the extension in terms of age, gender, location, make sure that it's super primed for that type of company. Uh, the good thing as well is people are sharing data. So we know, you know, how many people are visiting Reebok out of our audience. We don't know specifically who those people are because we anonymize the data and we don't ask people again for their first and last name or any personally identifiable information but it's cool for us to go to Reebok and say, actually, 25% of our audience has already visited Reebok.com in the last month. It's a great ammunition for us to have going into a pitch to then tell them, provide us a discount exclusive, something that you haven't ever provided before that we can put in our, to our marketplace to convert some of these people to full-time customers. Yeah. And plus, like when people decide to see go to your website, um, even if like you put the company on your website or the promo code, whatever, and it's more, the more likely you put those businesses on your website, the more mm -hmm. venue or promo or whatever the company yep. will get than not being on your website. Exactly. And the cool thing is once you start bringing on some bigger brands, it's almost like a trickle down effect where now other brands that are really big feel like they're missing out if they don't get involved. So like once you do have, you know, DoorDash and Ulta Beauty and Sephora, well, now Home Depot is going to look at that saying, well, they've already proven it out with these companies. Why can't they prove it out with ours?
right? And like once you start these type of things, like doing a promo on your website, and once other big companies, so as to say like Amazon, for example, see this and be like, okay, should I put yep. Ulta Beauty in their promo to get them more viewers and yep. people to buy them? Because of course, when you revenue a business on a website, the more likely the sales and products they're getting and the higher up the products are selling and the more people that go to the website buying something. Yep, 100% agree. But what type of people or organizations does Surf work with? Yeah, I think in terms of organizations, I mean, we have a number of customers now, mainly especially in the entertainment space and gaming space. So uh, every company from the Netflix and the United Talent Agencies of the world to the Electronic Arts, uh, Amazon Prime Gaming, Hewlett Packard, Riot Games, which is one of the biggest gaming studios in the world. Um, so it's been very cool to be able to work with a lot of these big enterprises. For us, we went through multiple iterations of our product, right? Five and a half years ago, we were very focused on analyzing social media data. And when we were doing that, we weren't just working with big businesses. We were also working with a lot of small businesses. We had over 300 small businesses signed up to our platform. We had a ton of individuals, influencers that wanted to analyze their own audience as well. Um, but I think as we've started to mature as a company and as we started to become very focused on this is the type of segment of data that we really want to be the best at, we started refining the type of customers that we have to make sure that they fit what exactly we're providing as, a, as an offering. Ooh, like that's really awesome that you get to work with big companies like Netflix or even um, like does big companies. It's really like a big step. Of course, while doing all these data things, it really helps when people look at your company, what you work with, it always brings a big kind of, turning point like okay this per this company works for netflix might as well work with them now to try to get this deal you know what i mean it's like yep. we're working these companies it always brings like okay like well how is this company work for netflix like how is this <laughs> possible which is awesome yeah and i think you know for us we've been lucky not only in terms of having some pretty incredible investors on board but also having some really smart people on our sales team uh, and over the last few years, they've done such a great job bringing in these big logos. So I can't even candidly take full credit for for some of those customers that we that we do have. Mm -hmm. And to bring up your podcast, you are the co-founder and co-host at Track Limits Podcast. And mm -hmm. the podcast is focused on telling the in-depth stories of various personalities in Formula One, from mechanics yep. and drivers to team bo bosses and content creators, basically everyone that's involved, which is awesome. But what type of stories does the podcast entail? Yeah, it's always very interesting. You know, when we do the podcast, we hear different types of stories. You know, sometimes we hear stories of uh, specific moments that a driver might have had or a team boss might have had during a race. What was going through their mind that perhaps they don't share in kind of a formal interview, but they're more likely to share with us because it's a lot more casual. It's a lot more laid back. Mm -hmm. um, we also sometimes hear from content creators about times that they wanted to quit. You know, content creation yeah. is a hard business, especially to do it full time. And it's been very cool to hear, you know, how a lot of people have gotten, you know, dropped out of school, worked part-time jobs, quit their full-time job, taken the biggest risk in order to be able to do what they love. Um, so the stories that we hear are kind of a spectrum. But I think one thing which is really cool is that we get to record a guest in an environment that's the most comfortable to them. We never record our episodes virtually. All the episodes that we record are in person. 
we go to where our guests are located, whether it's, you know, in Europe or whether it's in Asia or whether it's in North America, we'll fly to wherever we need to go in order to get a guest on board. And ideally, we want to record them again in their most comfortable environment. So whether that's a racetrack, their home, a studio in their home city, we'll make it work and we'll make it happen. Ooh, that is such a brilliant idea. And I know you said you guys are filming in London currently or England, right? Yeah, England right now. We've been here for about a month uh, and we've record, recorded a bunch of episodes now for season two, which should be going out in March. So very, very exciting time right now. Very exciting. I know I've been listening to season one. I'm not finished with all, but I listened about half. And mm-hmm. um, all the interviews are really amazing. And um, I'm a big sports fan, especially I'm starting to get into Formula One. So once I found out you interviewed Formula One people, I'm like, this is the podcast for me. Like, this is perfect. <laughs> but what can we expect from season two, if you're allowed to say anything? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I obviously can't reveal names for season two, but uh, you definitely can say that season two will be a lot bigger and better. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that we've learned from season one that we're incorporating into season two. Uh, number one, uh, we've heard a lot of feedback from people in terms of guests that they want us to have. And I think we've done a good job of putting together a pretty compelling roster of guests that, you know, come from different worlds, but are definitely the best at what they do. Uh, We also are going to try to showcase our personalities a bit more. You know, I think in season one, we definitely, you know, we're a little bit more stiff. We at times perhaps were a little bit more, uh, let's say, to the book versus in season two, I think we're just going to let our personalities go wild, you know, and try to share more clips that show kind of the banter, the love, the fun moments between the team members, because that's also quite special to share. And then I think finally, there's a lot of content even outside of the guest episodes that we've recorded. You know, we've gone to uh, some teams HQs, we've gone to some car launches, we've done some pretty funny skits uh, with some content creators. So there's a lot to look forward to when it comes to stuff even outside of the the guest episodes. Mm-hmm. Hey, bigger the merrier, right? Like it seems it seems going big, going big, and go home. It seems like yeah. but, um, I'm yeah. so looking forward to this upcoming season. Um, I'll make sure to share all of it once it's all released. But I really appreciate you, Swish, for coming on and joining us today. Um, I we have to do a part two soon. Uh, probably once this season comes out, we can share and get more details out. But I really appreciate everyone listening. I hope everyone enjoys the rest of your day. Make sure to rate, subscribe, comment, share, do as much as possible. And I really appreciate you coming on and joining us today. Love chatting with you. No worries. Thanks so much, Kali. Appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Same to you.